Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, good morning, and I'll say it again. Happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, Mother's Day was different when I had kids at home. The little kids at home, I should say, right? And, and somehow Mother's Day was my responsibility back then. <laughs> but that was good. Uh, just lots of thoughts go through my head on Mother's Day, and you, a lot of you can relate to it. Fifteen years ago this month, my mother passed away. Uh, somewhat unexpectedly. It was connected to an illness she had, but we didn't expect that. And, and, um, but you know that, uh, her life's impact is still with me today, right? Things that she instilled in me on purpose, some things she probably didn't instill on purpose, but got instilled. Uh, and so just such a, a a big, big impact mothers have. That old saying, you know, right? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Yeah, and there's some, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, so if, if you are a mother here today, you've, you've uh, given birth to children, you've raised children, maybe you haven't given birth to children, but you've been put in a situation where you are a mother, you've been a mother to children, uh, would you guys just stand up if that's you? Go ahead and stand up, all of you who have been a mother, or that includes if you're expecting. Look around, see if anybody stands. Oh, <laughs> let, let me pray for you right now, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these, these moms here. Or in the huge, huge responsibility they have, a huge impact they have, and, and, and it's overwhelming, I know, Lord, for the many, many times. I pray for your grace in their lives. I pray for them to know you and to be filled with you in a way that transforms them and transforms in how they are mothers, whether they're brand new mothers, Lord, or, or their children are all grown. And Lord, I pray for your working. Please bless these ladies. Give them hope, encourage them, help them to see the fruit of their efforts, Lord. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. You can be seated. Let's give all those moms a hand, huh? Well, there's some things about moms that I thought we might just talk about here a little bit. This is for you, Mom. Um, do you ever get a headache? It's connected to the kids somehow, all right? So if your kids are giving you a headache, just take an aspirin and follow the directions on the bottle, especially the part that says, keep away from children. (laughs) And here's the truth for you. People who say they sleep like a baby obviously don't have one, right? And uh, speaking of babies and sleeping, uh, one mom said, I don't want to sleep like a baby. I want to sleep like my husband. <laughs> Having children brings changes into your life. Okay? Consider this. With the first baby, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as you find out you're pregnant. Right? Second baby, you wear your regular clothes for as long as possible. Third baby, Your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. (laughs) I've never had that problem, Dave. 
So I think, you know, motherhood is, is, is the, is the clearest example of, of the difference between men and women. Okay. Uh, last Thursday night at our life group, uh, Cindy LeDuc, um, we were talking somehow it came about having a baby and we we're talking about how difficult, the, how hard that's, how much pain is involved with that, right? And she talked about, yeah, all that pain, and then all of a sudden they put this baby in your arms. And she says, and you look at this baby and you say, oh, it was all worth it. I'd do it again. And, and so here's the deal. If it was me who had the baby or a man who had the baby, they'd put this sweet little baby in your arms and you'd say, oh, that was so worth it. I got bad news, kid. You're going to be an only child. <laughs> right? Uh, so lots of fun things. So U.S. News... We'll report this um, for the weekend. It has articles on Mother's Day and, and different research. But it's interesting, they have a whole story on Barbara Bush as a mother. And uh, when she got the news that she was not going to make it this last time, right? She was going to be heading home to hospice. She started writing a letter to her kids. And it never got finished. But her biographer, the person who had been hired by them to be her biographer, had access to her stuff and found this letter. And I'm not going to read from the letter, but I want to read you a summary of uh, what this lady says. Talking about Barbara Bush, she said, she had a lifetime of consequential roles and historic ones. Only she and Abigail Adams were both the wife and mother of presidents. And of the two, only Barbara Bush lived long enough to see her son in the White House. She played a personal part in seven of the past ten presidential campaigns. How much influence is that? Right? She was an active and activist, first lady on adult illiteracy and HIV AIDS and more. Here's what I want you to see. She says this about her. She believed the most important job she ever held was that of mother. Indeed, she thought that was just about the most important role anyone could have. And moms, you have an extremely important role, not just in the life of your children, but in our world. Um, and it's a big job. And now let me say to everybody else who's here today who isn't a mom, I am going to be talking largely to moms, uh, but really the things I'm talking about, the truths we're going to look at from the Word of God apply to all of us at different times and places in our lives, okay? So don't tune it out. Well, that's for moms. No, it's for all of us, okay? But I am going to talk fairly pointedly uh, to moms about their situation. So you think about this. You have a huge role in influencing your children, your little babies, as, as they, you know, they're young and, and they're growing. Uh, man, the more we learn the, about how people think and function and why they do the things that they do, we see the impact of things from even very early in people's lives, how it affects them and and, and uh, the decisions and choices they make in life. So that's a huge role. When your children are younger children and run around, you've got a huge role teaching them about life and how to, to function in life. And when your children become teenagers, well, I don't know what to say. <laughs> right? But you have this huge role in their lives. And, and I talked with several of you today, and um, one of the things that then I discovered is, is it's kind of like, I guess, a duh kind of thing, but you ever discover things and then realize it was, yeah, of course. Um, I thought when my kids grew up and left, I'd be done. What are you laughing at? 
Yeah, I mean, and, and, and many things, parts of it, I am done. But it, it's, it's interesting just learning that there's still an impact, and moms still have this ongoing, dads do, but moms have this ongoing impact and relationship with their kids that makes a difference. And then, of course, you got the grandkids, you want to start investing in them. I mean, it just, just keeps on going. And these things can wear you out. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today, but any tired moms here today? Yeah. Um, and so these are such huge and important things, but as you do them, each and each stage with your kids wears you out for a different reason, but you find yourself wearing out. But then the Scripture says this to you. It says, let us not grow weary in well-doing. Okay. How do we do that? Right? Because the concern here it says, the verse continues and says, because in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And so there's a, this is a, a genuine risk that we can face, and that's that, that all the things we're dealing with, with our, you know, as in the role of moms or whatever roles we're in, we can get tired and wears on us. But scripture warns us about that because if we get so tired that we Lose heart. We throw up our hands and stop. And so Scripture tells us not to do that, and yet the job, by definition, means being tired, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know about you guys. I have you know, on Facebook a lot of uh, the young mothers in our church. I get to see what they're doing with their kids and all that. And, and at least every day, at least one of them talks about they didn't get enough sleep the night before, Right? In fact, I know sometimes that because sometimes you can tell when people post and they, oh, they were posting that about three in the morning. <laughs> um, so by nature, it makes us tired. So how, how can we deal with this? The fact that it is wearing on us does make us tired, but yet we don't get weary to the point where we lose heart. Because the stakes are way too high for us to let that happen. So let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. There's a starting place as we consider this today. And we're going to have a progression of thought here today that we're going to walk through. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, page 1333 in the Bible that's in the chairs. And I know I say it like every week, but let me encourage you. If you don't have your own Bible to follow along in, or you don't have it in your phone to follow along in, Pick up one of those Bibles from the, uh, the chairs. It'll help you. Page 1,333. So the Apostle Paul here is dealing with a situation where people were resisting his apostleship. And as, as an apostle, that gave him a special position of authority because we're, they were still trying to figure out what is Christianity? What is, are the things that we believe? How does this mean we should live? How are things supposed to function? And so he had this role to be dealing with those things as well as writing scripture itself. Um, and he had people who opposed him. And they argued, they brought their arguments against what he was saying and, and tried to apply their logic against it. And the Apostle Paul says, you know, look, that is not right, and I will deal with this. And so let's see what he says, starting in verse 3. Talking about him and his companions. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means not fleshly. They're not just natural 
things here. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so what Paul is saying here is, look, when I come, if I have to deal with these things, I want you to know that when we start to have this discussion and you're resisting the things of God, I want you to know that what's going, I'm going to be bringing against what you're saying is not just natural, it's from God. And the power of God and the truth of God is, he says, it's mighty in God, spiritually, to tear down those strongholds that you have erected and those false arguments that you have erected. Now, so what does that have to do with you, moms, or all of us? Well, the reality is that in our lives, we've all experienced lots of things. And if you think about being a mom, you experience being a child with a mother or maybe with an absent mother. A mother with all of her own issues, and she's trying to raise you. You have all the life experiences that go along with that. And as a result of all this, things you've heard, things you've learned, things you've liked, things you didn't like, you have built up this whole mindset about what it means to be a mom and how, how to go about those things. But the problem is, is that, and this is just isn't for moms, it's for all of us in whatever roles we find ourselves in. The problem is there's a whole bunch of stuff usually mixed in there that doesn't match what God says in his word. Naturally, right? So a stronghold is all of these things that have come into your life that, that bring you to this place where this is the way I see it, and this is how I do it. And it, it's got a hold of you. And he talks about the strongholds and the high things that exalt itself. That could be just the habits that just drive you. It's responses that you make without even thinking, why do I respond that way? So these are things that come natural to you. Strongholds are natural, okay? And, and that's a key word for us to understand. So when we go to approach things like your role as a mother, you're trying to fulfill that faithfully, how um, these things get in the way. Because, you know, you naturally want to, you know, be loving. You naturally want to protect your child. You naturally want things to go well for them. You naturally want them to respond to you in a certain way. You naturally, all of these kinds of things. And, and so that's what our strongholds are, are our natural ways of doing things. We need a bigger word. We need the word supernatural. This is crucial. If you are going to be able to, in your life, start to see these things that are strongholds and, and how you're doing things that may work against you. I mean, I think about myself, and I, I've never been a mom, in case you were wondering. Um, but as, as I think about myself and raising my children and how I approach that, I look back and I can see that there were some strongholds in my life. And, and when I say strongholds, I don't always mean terrible things. But what it means is that there was something besides God and His truth that drove me in certain areas. See, let me share with you. For me, growing up, I kind of learned that if you love somebody, you leave them alone. I'm not talking about lonely, but I mean, you just hands off. You leave them alone. 
Um, my brother and I have talked about this and realizing how we were raised. And, and there's some positive things about someone leaving you too. But man, there's some negatives there too. And if I were going back again, raising my kids, I wouldn't leave them alone nearly so much. And I don't mean physically alone. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say I just get hands off? And boy, I got hands on sometimes too. But my point is, is you know, rather than being more proactively engaged in their lives. So see, I had this stronghold and I didn't even realize it. Because this is how I was loved. This is how I love. And it worked against me. And so it is, moms. You have things in your lives that are strongholds and that work against you. They're, they come natural to you. You aren't a bad person because you got them. But what we need is the supernatural power of God to be in our lives and to see those things and to see, you know, God show me those things so I can do better, so I can, you know, do successfully the things that you have given me to do. So, if, if strongholds are natural, they come to us natural and they are, they're just our, our natural response to how we think about things, we might say that's, in other words, if we respond intuitively to things without, right? Intuitively means you haven't really thought through. It's just kind of a natural response to you. What makes sense to you at this moment? It's intuitive, okay? But what we're going to discover is that if we are going to succeed in whatever roles God has put in, if moms, if you're going to succeed in the role that he's put you in, you have to start to understand that what's natural isn't always right. What's intuitive isn't always right. And so there's going to be a lot of things that are counterintuitive. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. That if you want to be a mother God's way, there are going to be a lot of things that are counterintuitive. And by that, if intuitive means what makes sense and looks natural to you right now. Counterintuitive means opposed to that, doesn't it? Not what comes natural. Not what just makes sense to me at this particular point in time, but rather what God has to say to us about this. Now, this shouldn't surprise us that the things that we need to do and how we need to live is counterintuitive. I mean, God talked about this in Isaiah 55 when he says that, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, right? And your ways are not my ways. Says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our thoughts and ways, are what comes natural to us, are way below and different than God's. And what we need to conclude is, okay, I see this. There are ways that come natural to me, ways I think, ways I respond that come natural to me. That's not what God has said. Okay, so counterintuitive, but I have to reach this conclusion. And David said it in Psalm 18. He says, as for God, His way is perfect. Right? And so... I don't even have to know. You don't even have to know what all those strongholds are at this point. You, you know, you may think, well, I think I got it together, and maybe you do, but odds are there's some things in there that you don't. You need to settle that God's ways are perfect, and I need to, to somehow rather know them. Because mothering God's way is counterintuitive. It isn't just what naturally makes sense to you. So, I want to share with you today three counterintuitive truths about mothering. Um, 
And these apply to all age, whatever ages your children are, whether they're on the way, newborn, or grown and out of the home, have their own children. These truths apply in some way. And the first one is this. Realize that you probably don't know how to love your children the way you should. So look to God for ongoing guidance. I remember years ago, I brought this up and I said this. And it was in a situation where there, there could be discussion. And I had a lot of moms really unhappy with me. Because they said that you probably don't know how to love your children the way you should. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm a mother. I love my children. I always want what's best. Right? All those kinds of things. And, and that's true. But listen, the Apostle Paul in giving instructions to the church in, in Titus, he was talking to the older women, telling them to teach the younger women. And he says this, to admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Do you think you have to tell a mother to love her children or how to love her children? You wouldn't think so. Naturally, we say no, but guess what? Counterintuitive, right? The reality is, is that you may not know how to love your children the way they need to be loved. All right, so when we think about love, the kind of love that God calls us to, uh, it, it, I usually like to try to define it like this, that love is when you have and act in the best interest of the one that you love, even if it's personally costly. That's the way God loved us, doesn't he? He always has done and always continues to do what's in our best interest. And it was very costly to him, wasn't it? When he sent his son and all that he accomplished there. And so the reality is, is that um, how are we going to know what's in the best interest of our children? You have natural ideas about that, don't you? You have things that you learn from your folks, which may or may not be right. You have your friends, you have the things that you read. How are we going to know what's really in the best interest of our children? We have to be in the Word of God. I know, you hear, they come to church and the pastor says, read your Bible. I'm saying you need to be in the Word of God so that the Word of God can be in you and shape you to help you know how do I love my children? What is in their best interests? And, and so you need to get into the Word and, and let that begin to, it says, uh, what? Um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind to change, right? That's going to address those strongholds. It's going to address those things where, hey, I'm not really getting this right. I'm not thinking about it right. I'm not responding right, whatever. And, and help you to grow in those things. You got to do that. Or you'll just love your children the way you naturally love them. And I'm not trying to be mean, but it just, it isn't good enough. You need to love them God's way. And so be in the Word. Now, I, I'm sure there's some of you here today who says, do you understand my life? <laughs> I have these little kids, and they keep me awake at night, and I can't, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm busy, but, but, but how in the world am I going to be in the Word? All I can tell you is you've got to fight for it. You have to fight for it. You know, it, it might be that at that 3 o'clock in the morning, instead of posting on Facebook how you're awake again, take three minutes and read something from the Word. Um, any place along the way you can, sit them on your lap and read the Bible out loud. That'll work for about 1 minute and 15 seconds. But see, you're fighting for it, right? 
It's got to be that important to you. Figure out how to do that. Now, when your kids get old enough to where it isn't like that, they don't need you every moment like that anymore, then you have to be more purposeful in getting in the Word. Now, let me share with you. Um, this is, again, one of those things where I, I would probably do some things differently uh, as a, a parent. Maybe you can learn from this for yourself. But that's my tendency uh, is to, when I get in the Word, I go over here someplace and, and get away, right? And that's good, right? I want to have a quiet time. It was me and God. But what I need to figure out how to do is then to bring this out and into my child's life. You know what I need to do? I need to talk to my child. Hey, I was reading the Bible this morning and it made me think. Teach your children to read the Bible. Talk to them. These kids, right? Once again, you might be really busy. There are some really, really good children's Bibles out there today. That, uh, and, and if you want to look for one, I can get you the information about it. Um, but they're really, really good. It's not just, you know, a Noah's Ark and a giraffe with his head out of the boat. It's, it's really good stuff. And that may be all the Bible you get to read. <laughs> but you read it with your kids. Can I make a suggestion to you that if you have children at home who are, you're, you, you know, getting out for the day, they gotta go to school or whatever, Make it a point to schedule your life so that almost every day you are able to sit down with them and for a few minutes open the Bible, read it, talk about it, pray about your day before everybody heads out the door. Well, I just said something. I know inside of your head some of your little fireworks going off like, bing, 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 he's crazy. Does he have any idea what life is like in the morning? I get that. But you know what? Let me just be real honest. You've got to decide what's most important. And if you're getting out the door to work when you want to and not only having to get up when you want to is most important to you, stronghold, natural, no supernatural. But if you say, you know what? We have to plan our lives accordingly. We've got to go to bed earlier. We've got to, whatever we've got to do. We need to make sure that every day we do this with our kids. Okay? It is crucial. And so these are just all examples of how you need to realize, I need to love my children in ways that are best their best interests and do whatever it takes to be able to do that. Okay. The second counterintuitive truth is this. Let your children experience the negative consequences of their choices. Does that go against the grain, moms? I mean, some of you have been down the road long enough, you, you think differently about this. But the idea is, if your child is hurting, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? If your child is hurting, you want to comfort them. What if they're scared? You want to protect them. You want to, and those are all good things. But the reality is, is that God has built the world in a way that there are causes and effects. There are choices and consequences. And, and he says this right in Galatians 6, 7. He says, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Whatever a person sows, what, what are they doing? There are results. There are consequences. This is about teaching your child personal responsibility. This is crucial to your child's well-being and their ability to honor the Lord in their lives. Um, what you want them to say is, yes, 
I did this and I own the consequences. You want them to be there. Now, once they get that, they'll never misbehave again, right? No. They may misbehave the same way a hundred times. And you start thinking, this is a waste of time. But it isn't because what are they learning? That every time I am responsible. Every time. You know, if you have a kid that does this a thousand times, you've got a scientist on your hands. Because he or she is trying to prove that this is still true after 999 times. Okay? But it is so crucial that we, we let them know this. So what this means is when your children are real little, as soon as they're old enough to kind of respond and interact with you, if they make a mess, they need to at least help you clean it up. They made the mess. They need to be involved in the cleanup. As they get older, you don't have to help them. They can do it on their own. Um, you need to, uh, if they throw a tantrum because they want something, do not give in. Now, you may realize later you were unreasonable about what caused this. That's fine. Adjust later. But you cannot teach your child that it is all right to throw a tantrum when you don't get what you want. You see what I mean? We're just, there's some practical things here. There is a principle, a biblical principle here that Jesus talked about in Luke 19 in a parable. He says, he quoted, um, he was talking about a man saying this to his servant. Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And, but what he's saying here is, if you are faithful in a smaller responsibility, you can be entrusted with greater responsibilities. Alright? And so you want to begin to use this principle in your home. And so here, here's the deal. You say, Okay, you, you cannot play your video games. You just can't if you haven't picked up your room. Okay. Child comes and says, can I play video games now? And you say, well, that depends. Did you pick up your room? Well, then no. If they did, you say, yes, go for it. But what you're teaching them is your choices are going to make the difference. Uh, can I... Can I have borrow the car tonight? Oh, so what, what are you going to do? You need to have things. What have they done what they are supposed to do? Whatever those things are. In other words, it's on the, you don't want it. You're not going to argue about this. You're not going to fight about it. Just matter of fact, it, the ball is in your court. See, they're learning that they're responsible. And if they don't make the right choices, they don't get the consequences that they like. Now, this is crucial. This is when we hold our children accountable for their actions and we start thinking about wrongdoing, when they do things that are wrong and how we respond to that and handle that. I'm not going to go try to go into detail and express all that, but I want to say this, is that there needs to be a consistent holding accountable. When children do what they know is wrong, whether they're little children or big children, and, and how you handle that is probably going to be different, but they have to know that, no, there are absolutely consequences for this choice. You make good choices, good consequences. Bad choices, bad consequences. And, and we may think that this is just about trying to get life to work, or our kids to be good, but it's bigger than that. In, in the book of Proverbs 23, it talks about do not withhold correction from a child. And the idea if you will correct them, you will deliver their soul from hell. How does that work? 
Well, here's how it works. If you allow your child to learn that, hey, I can negotiate my way out of this. I can misbehave my way out of this at a volume loud enough that will get me out of this. I can, you know, oh, I know you didn't really mean to do it. I mean, that's fine, but there's still consequences, see? And um, if you if you don't do that, someday they hear a preacher say, listen, you are responsible to God for your choices. You have sinned against the holy God. And the consequence of that is hell. That's why Jesus died for you. So your sins can be forgiven. But they don't know how to interpret that because they have never learned that they are actually responsible for their actions. Does that make sense? So you got to understand, when you're training them little, you're responsible, there's an accountability here, and you teach them this, you are preparing them to respond to God. This is a big. The third truth, your child's relationship with God needs to be more important than his or her relationship with you. I think this is kind of hard for moms. Because that child is like just almost the most important thing in the world to you. But you need to make it your goal that you will not be the most important person in the world to them. That Jesus will. Jesus makes this challenge in Luke 14. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And we know, and most of us know if you've heard this idea of hate, he's using a figure of speech that in comparison to your love for me, I come first to you, and so nobody else comes first to you. I come before all of them. And the world would look at that and say, why do you hate your mom? Why do you hate your dad? Why are you doing this? You know, because you're chosen to follow the Lord. This is so crucial. Um, Because you're not going to want to do this. It doesn't come naturally to you. And so you need to teach this to your children. You need to teach this truth to your children. Listen, mommy and daddy love you probably more than anybody else in this world. And and we want what's best for you. And God has told us what's best for you. And the very best thing you could ever do would be to love God more than you love mommy and daddy. Now, right now, God's telling you to do what mommy and daddy says. <laughs> but you need, he needs to come first in your life. So you need to teach that. You need to model it in your own life. If you let your child be more important to you than the Lord Jesus Christ, you will do irreparable damage to your child. So you got to model it to them. Uh, you got to de- work, figure out how do I develop this in them. And, and so you want to encourage them in this. Don't discourage them in it. Um, how would you discourage your child in this? Well, you can discourage them inadvertently, not meaning to. If, as you go through life with them, you live in a way that says other things are just as important as Jesus, or maybe more so. In, in our culture, we are sports crazy. But I want you to know, for your children, for you, your children, sports is not more important than Jesus. It's just not. 
music lessons, whatever, trying to get into the best colleges, uh, on and on. We could just, I don't think I need to elaborate. If we aren't careful, we make decisions that look like other things are more important than Jesus. And we do our children a terrible disservice when we do that. And what's going to come natural to you is to go with the flow of the culture. But doing it God's way is often counterintuitive. Let me tell you, if you had to, and I'm not anti-sports, I like sports. I played sports. But let me say, if you had to choose for your child being active in, in uh, organized sports year after year after year or spending few hours every week playing with their dad or their mom. And you had to choose, which would you choose? You choose dad or mom, don't you? Well, if we have to choose between sports and Jesus, right? You with me? I'm not telling you, you've got to figure out what that looks like. We're not legalists here. We don't have rules. But you've got to say, what does it mean if Jesus is really the most important? What does it mean at this time and place? And let your kids see that and experience that. I know Pastor Dave and Deb went through this with their son. I, we went through with our daughter. Uh, we had uh, my, my oldest daughter... Uh, by the time she was 10 years old, was in the gym 16 hours a week doing gymnastics. And it required that level to be safe because of what she was doing. And I was getting concerned because she was reaching the point where her meets were going to be on Sunday mornings. I said, oh God, what do you, what are we going to do? Is this what you want for her? Is you going to, you know, giving her a platform, whatever? Because she was good. The summer before this was going to change, she got an injury, and so they had her stop for a month or so, six weeks, and at the end of that time, she said, Dad, I don't think I want to do that anymore. And I didn't, I didn't, I did not handle that issue all the way through great. There was, I mean, when I talked with my daughter, I realized I didn't. But I'm still telling you that, that my concern was, oh God, what are we going to do? You're more important than all of this. And what do you want us to do here? How do you want to flesh it out? And she knew that tension and, and God worked and resolved it. And I didn't have to make a real hard decision. So counterintuitive, these counterintuitive truths, and we could probably find more. But so a review, you probably don't know how to love your child the way you should. You better be actively seeking God's guidance from the word. You need to let your child experience the negative consequences so they learn the responsibilities. And, and your child's relationship with God needs to be more important than his or her relationship with you. Now, let me encourage you. This statement I want to encourage you with, really, it's an encouraging statement. You won't always get it right. But you make sure, but just make sure you get the most important thing right. And that is this. Mary is at a wedding with Jesus. And they run out of wine. And she thinks, my son could do something about this. And so she tells him, they run out of wine. And Jesus said, look, wait, no, you don't. Call the shots here. It's God's timing, not, you know. And then Mary said this to the servant. She said, whatever he says to you, do it. And so with your children, this is something you can communicate to your kids as, as you go along. And, and even me as an adult, I've tried to communicate this to my kids now. And that's that, you know what? I don't always get it right. Because I, I might miss it sometimes. You know, and I'm really sorry when I do. 
But listen, whatever you do, do what Jesus says. Right? Whatever I, whether I'm, you do what Jesus says. You always do what Jesus says. Now, let me just talk briefly. Sometimes as we go through life and our kids grow, things happen. They're, they're older kids, they're teenagers, they're adults, and they make decisions that horrify us. And you start thinking, what did I do wrong? Um, and the reality is, is that you may have done some things wrong. In fact, I think you can be pretty assured you did some things wrong. You know, what about the scripture that says, train up a child in the way he will go, he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. You know, I, I believe that's an absolute truth. And if you and I can do it perfectly, that'll be the end result. But I didn't do that perfectly. Did you? No. But you know what? I gave them enough to be able to respond to God on their own. And they, just like me, made their own choices. And so, I really want to encourage you, don't own things that aren't your responsibility. God gave your child free will, just like He gave you. And they can and will make choices. And some of it might be because of how you've done it. I know that my kids have done that. That's just the reality. It's the way it, way it goes. But here's what I want to challenge you about. When your kids walk away from their faith, substance abuse, immorality, jail maybe, whatever. That's not the time to walk away from your faith. That's not the time, because you, you, you disillusion, right? I thought I did everything right, you know. No, you didn't. God is gracious. But if you decide to walk away Right? And maybe you don't stop believing. I walk away. I'm done, God. I've quit trying. And, you know, so I've disengaged from spiritual things. I disengaged from my church. I disengaged from my brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you understand? You're only making a bad situation worse. Because two things. Your only hope of getting through that is to lean into the Lord. You want to do it on your own, you're not going to make it. You need to lean into the Lord. The second thing is this, that that child who is wayward, it may be the fact that you stay faithful to the Lord. Your faith may be the one thing that gives that child hope that their life is not over. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Mom still believes. Mom's still living it. So don't turn away. It's time to lean in. Lean into the people. You know, and we're ashamed to tell people. I mean, I know I've been through this. I've had things that I, I didn't want to tell people had happened and to have to deal with that stuff. But man, you know what? You need these people. You need to sit down with some people that you know and love Christians and say, here's where I'm at. I don't know how I go on, but I want to go on, and I need you. I need you. 
Love me, care for me, help me. And some of us have faced that. Some of us will face that. And the story ain't over. And you may not even see it in your lifetime. But I guarantee you, your faithfulness will impact your children for good. Whether you ever see it or not. Does that make sense? Hang in there. Alright. Hmm. Trying to decide what to do here. So let me say, if you're not going to become weary and well-doing, what you have to do is you have to give up control. If you think you're in control, you're not. It'll get you. Jesus said that the solution to being worn out and exhausted is to take his yoke upon you. Right? Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. That means he, you put yourself under his control. You surrender to him. He said, that's when you'll find rest to your souls. So let's look at a passage here. Isaiah chapter 40. Passage you're familiar with, but I want to leave you with this. This idea of not growing weary. Give up control. Look to the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. It says, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Are you tired? He's not. His understanding is unsearchable. When you don't know the answers, he does. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. So you find yourself wearing down, tired, he can give you the strength that you need. He says, then we talk about natural strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. You rely on your own strength to do this, it's over. But those who wait on the Lord, those who look to Him, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look to God. Give up the control. Surrender to Him in this. Embrace the counterintuitive and be faithful day in and day out for the rest of your life. It'll be worth it. Absolutely be worth it. Let's pray. Father, we come before You as Your children who have not always obeyed You. As your children, we have not always honored you, glorified you. We've not always followed your wisdom. We've, we've often gone our own way. I thank you, Father, that you have been a faithful father to us and have allowed us to suffer the consequences of our choices, to teach us responsibility in better ways. Help us to believe, Father, than our own children that that truth, the sowing and reaping, is good for them. And that you'll use it. And oh God, whether little children, grown children, grandchildren, Lord, whatever it is, we are incapable. We have strongholds that work against us. And so we express our desperate need of you to work in our lives so that you can work through us into the lives of our children. Please help us with this. I know you will. Help us to see it clearly that we must surrender to you.
And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. And Lord willing, we'll see you again soon.